need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you. The Warrior Women Mastermind is a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warrior women. Warriors, can you believe it? It's our 100th episode. I can't believe we're finally here. I started this podcast at 50 years old, not even knowing what a podcast was. I was terrified. But my good friend Becky at Elan Strategy Group helped me get it off the ground, and now I've never looked back. Tonight, I'm hosting a party for some of the guests and friends who have made this podcast a huge success. Celebrating myself is not something I'm comfortable with, unless it's my birthday, which, trust me, lasts a month long. But celebrating myself for an accomplishment, for this accomplishment, for any accomplishment, felt scary. Asking people to show up for me was hard. I dragged my feet, but finally sent out the invitation, ordered the food, and pushed forward, thanks to a good coach friend of mine. Yes, even coaches have coaches. Asking people to show up for me was hard. But tonight, as I'm celebrating, I am thinking of my grandmother, Coco's namesake, Caroline Sanders Sterrett. She was my hero in many ways, but recently she's become a hero of mine because of a whole new reason. I realized that she made money as an artist. She was a painter and had her own gallery. She took girls trips and art trips and was always creating. Her house was colorful and so were her clothes. And so was her sense of humor. Getting paid for your creativity, your ideas, your voice is a really big deal to me. That validation that my uniqueness is worthy. Celebrating myself is really about receivership. Can I let myself receive the love and praise? Will I believe I deserve it? The truth is I was made for this podcast. I was made to be a coach. I've been motivating women since I was six years old. I'm hardly a beginner. I'm a seasoned woman guiding other women. The truth is it's safe to play big, to live big, to have it all and get paid for it. It's safe to celebrate my success and the success of this podcast. Today's episode features some of my favorite moments. 
moments I was learning, having an aha, or just feeling aligned with these fabulous women. I used to worry that I would run out of women to interview. The truth is, I never will. There are endless, fascinating, and fabulous women just waiting for me. These are just a select few. Well, cheers, ladies. Here's to 100 episodes. Thank you for staying with me, for coming back week after week, and for being a part of this amazing Warrior Women community. I love you guys. I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. We had some really successful women on this podcast. I loved Suzanne Summers' take on getting fired from Three's Company. I remember the one producer screaming at me, he goes, this is not about the, the business. It's about the show. And I thought, not really. It's called show business. So they were naive and stupid. Plus they had planned. They were all men. They had planned on John Ritter being the star of the show, which he was. Except the people spoke and the people loved Chrissy Snow also. And at times, Chrissy's popularity was much higher than Jack Tripper. So it was a dumb, dumb thing on their part. They lost over a billion dollars by breaking up that chemistry. We were heard from syndicators uh, years later. But for me, after I got over a bit of a depression, not for very long, I heard a voice in my head and it said, why are you focused on what you don't have? Why don't you focus on what you do have? And I'm thinking, what do I have? And the voice says, <laughs> you have enormous visibility. Everybody in this country and most of the world knows your name. That's valuable. And I thought, that is. So I said to Alan, I would like to do a Vegas act. And I'd been singing on network specials. And I had my own network specials. And I was touring for the USO and entertaining soldiers all over the world. And I was at Panmunjom long before Trump was at Panmunjom. And so he went to Vegas and made a deal at the MGM Grand Hotel, which is where I was able to bring my father up. And for more money than I was asking for in Three's company. And in 1987, I was named Las Vegas Female Entertainer of the Year, along with Frank Sinatra, who was Las Vegas Male Entertainer of the Year. And then we went on the road. And when you're on the road, what do you do during the day? I'm not going to sit there and eat you know, room service and watch soap operas. So that's when I started writing. My first book, Keeping Secrets, I wrote on the road, and here I am all these books later. So when bad things happen, it's easy to have the poor me's. I, I really beg anybody listening out there to understand, yeah, you have to go through a bit of mourning, and then how can you use it? How can you make it work for you the way we did? And I've never looked back. Ernestine Johnson 
had the best advice. You don't have to wait. You need to create. I'm not only an advocate for entrepreneurship in the Black community, although that's my focus, but I'm an advocate for entrepreneurship in in general. Um, What made me create the model, create Don't Wait, and and really live and operate my life like that and, and, and be a beacon and speak that into people is because as an actress and just as a woman, there are certain positions that I feel like I've been slighted or I didn't get it or I deserved it and somebody told me no and someone rejected me and I you start garnering this fear of like rejection and being told no. And then one day I woke up and I said, God ordained me. He planted the seeds in me. I have all the power to say yes to myself and give myself the green light. And if I'm not seeing the role with my name on it, then I can go create the role and I can go find a friend who directs and I can find another friend who writes another friend who produces and another friend who has a camera. And I can say, Hey guys, let's shoot a short film so I can put myself in the position. I can give myself the green light and I can create the role. And now we don't Hollywood to do it. After I did the Arsenio Hall show and my poem was super viral. And I was like, this is so crazy video. I can do this myself. I can put videos to all my poems. So after the Arsenio Hall show went viral, I started putting myself, creating my own poems and putting them to video with my friends who all had cameras and who edited and who directed and who produced and who did lighting and staging. And we created all my own videos and I garnered millions and millions of more views off of a product that I produced myself. And when I started operating from that mindset, I'm like, oh, I need to tell everybody about this. I need to tell all women about this. I need to tell all people about this because I know countless and countless of people, specifically women who think it's going to fall on their lap, the opportunity is going to fall on their lap, or someone's just going to have some magic fairy dust and it's just going to be, you know, bestowed upon them. And I'm like, no, you guys, we all have a gift. We all have an idea. We all have a seed planted in us. If you surround yourself with a village who believes in you and you believe in them, you guys can get together and make it happen. And um, that's what Create Don't Wait is. Create, don't wait on the opportunity. Go ahead and create it. No asking for permission to do No asking for permission. That you need to do and that you know you are here to do. I agree with that. I always ask people when I speak at, you know, different talks and I say, somebody tell me what the root word of authority is. And of course, we know it's author. And what does author mean? author, you, you give something authority. You author it when you speak it, when you think it, when you write it. You have to be the author of your life. You have to have complete authority over your life. As, as, as adults, if you're over the age of 18, you have complete authority over your life. You have the power to author anything. And when you author something, you can speak something bad or you can speak something good over your life. And I believe in having 100% authority over everything I say that I want to have for my life. I'll never forget when Dr. Serena Fierro told us to tap ourselves on the shoulder. There were a lot of people around me who took notice and did a lot of tapping me on the shoulder, which I think most women experience where you, um, it's this phenomena of where people, mostly men, tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, you should really go out for this job. You should really go out for this job. Or there's this opening and you should really think about doing that. And I started to get to a point in my career where I would look back and I was like, oh my gosh, every big move I've made in my career is because somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, why aren't you thinking of that? And I remember thinking, I really want to make this pivot for myself where, why aren't I tapping my own self on the shoulder? Why aren't I saying, no, here's what I want to do? Oh my God, may my head pop off in this podcast. Why am I not tapping myself on the shoulder? I also just heard you say, it's mostly men doing it. Yes. Which is kind of annoying. 
Yep. Should we not be tapping our ladies on the shoulder and saying, I see you bringing a woman up. I mean, let's go ladies, right? But oh my God, tap yourself on the shoulder. Yes. Exactly. Ah. Similarly to the, to the way you've started the podcast, Liz. It's, it's, it's deciding, it's tapping yourself on the shoulder and saying, here's what I need to do. This is a good career move for me. Not because anyone tells you, you should do this or you should right. do that. It's like, we're always looking for this validation or affirmation that yes, indeed you do have what it takes. One of my favorite ladies, you know, I love chef Katie Chen. Well, her success came from leaping leap and the net will appear. And I know this sounds corny, but when I left my husband, I'm living in my friend's, you know, guest house slash garage. I'm like, who am I? What happened? I quit my job. I had no husband. I'm like, what the heck? And, you know, I just decided to jump off and start this new career on a lark. I had bought an O magazine and I ripped off a page. I had it like taped on the wall of my bathroom. And I just saw this quote leap. And then it will appear. And I was like, you know what? What is the worst thing that could happen to me? You know what I mean? What is the worst thing? I mean, I can go back to my old career and do that if I have to. I grew up working in the catering and restaurant business. I know how, I mean, I can make a living. If I have to sweep floors, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. That's always just stuck with me. And I think it resonates for budding entrepreneurs because fear is what gets in the way. hundred percent. hundred percent. afraid of what we don't know and what we haven't tried. Amy Young looked for success for a long time and then found it right in front of her. Many of us are just tired. We're, we're just drained, tired. And you're completely right that one thing is creating schedules and habits that help fuel us, whether that's waking up a half hour before our kids normally wake up and taking that time to journal, to meditate, to exercise, whatever that activity is, it is going to help get you in the right headspace. And just even that act of planning that time for yourself puts you on your priority list. Um, and then honestly, I would take a step back and think about, okay, what, what is my purpose? Like, what is my ultimate goal? Like when I talked about that, like, what do you want to achieve when you're 80, right? Sometimes keeping that big picture focused enables us to just see the forest enough where we're going, okay, this is a moment in time. And you know what? If I need to stay in sweatpants all this week, like I'm going to allow myself to do that. But I know that that's not necessarily going to take me away from this ultimate purpose or this ultimate goal that I have or the legacy that I want to lead. There are things like when you schedule yourself, schedule your priorities first, schedule your me time first. Right. I know how women will be like schedule their whole day and they're like, and if I have time, yes, if I have time, I'll take a bath. Let me tell you something right now. You don't have time. So you might as well put that on the schedule, (laughs) make the time, because if you're looking for the time at the end of the day, it's not going to be there. Yeah. You have to create it and you have to make it a priority. 100%. One of the most unexpected success stories or ways to find success was from Kimberly Snyder of Saluna. She talked about the darkness. The dark is seen as a scary place in our society. But, uh, you know, if you think about the seeds that go into the ground and then they grow. And also shamans talk a lot about transformation. And that always happens in the dark and introspection and going inside. So I think if we reframe our idea that the dark is scary into thinking the dark is actually where pure potential is, 
And that's where we create from. You close your eyes, you meditate, you go inside. I think a lot of magic happens when we embrace the so-called darkness and the unknown. Oh, I loved having Mary Davis on. She's a coach, she's a speaker. And I loved what she said about women. Whether you're a woman, whether you're a minority, this is what we have believed because it's designed by men. They have all the power. So we all have a little of that until you have to work through that. So the lack of confidence, the lack of work that you are worthy. And what did it for me was just like, I'm a numbers person. I have a bachelor's in accounting. So I'm looking, I'm like, man, I'm getting them out of lawsuits, litigations, and they have what? $11.9 trillion. I'm worth more than that. I'm worth at least that. But other people don't realize what you do and what you contribute. And we don't speak up for ourselves. A lot of them don't want to recognize their accomplishments. We downplay it because society downplays the woman. So then we then downplay ourselves and our accomplishments. So that's one of the things. Most of them, they're like, I don't know. I haven't had any accomplishments. I'm like, yes, you do. I just had a vision board brunch. And one of the things, the first thing is like, let's celebrate. 2021 before we go into 2022. Well, people cannot celebrate. People can. cannot celebrate. What is that? I used to have a problem with it because we're so busy checking the box. Because we're we just, just trying to roll get over it. it. Like, oh, I did that. Bye. Like, oh, hello. Like, can we take a moment? I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too. I'm saying this about me as well. I can't believe how women do that. We we just on to the next. Yeah. I think the other thing is what they they don't realize that their skills are transferable. Or they don't know how. It's like, well, I can't do this for money. So they don't recognize if you're doing it there, you can do it here too, for yourself, by yourself. Oh, this is a big one. With women, we want to do everything ourselves. And we feel guilty if we have to go and get help. We run in the household. We're we're doing a a job. We're corporate executives. We're raising our kids. We're loving our spouses and and catering to their needs, whatever there is. We don't want to get help. Nellie Galan, there is no one like her. And I love her idea of what it is to be self-made. Obviously, the connotation of self-made has to do with entrepreneurship and money, that in order to make it to the end of your life, you're going to have to DIY yourself from the inside out, make yourself over, over and over and over again, which means you have to grow and evolve and you have to pivot to use a tech term. You cannot stay stagnant or you will die many deaths in your life. You have to take the horrors that show up and tell yourself, I'm going to take myself to a higher place this time. And you don't believe it. You even don't believe it. You go, I can't, I can't get past this thing. I can only imagine. I think the worst thing that could happen to someone is that their child dies. I just can't even imagine. But even that, you know, you have to take your pain and turn it into profit. Turn it into your calling. Turn it into the thing that you make money on because you're an expert at it instead of drown and die from it. Yes. Or you are going to be, and I see a lot of people like that that are the walking dead. Yeah. They're not lit. Tanya Newbold shared with us how she got through the day-to-day and found success even when she was struggling with PPD. Honestly, 
there are many times I do feel like I can't take another step. I mean, that is life and it's overwhelming. I will tell you this, even if it's one thing in that day to move forward in your life, I don't care if it's even looking at your bank account to make sure you're in balance. The one thing they go, oh, I don't want to look at that. Look at it. Because the second you look at it, you know you have to handle it or not handle it. Do one thing per day or call someone that you love and supports you to say, I'm not feeling like I can move forward. They're going to say, you can. And then do one thing. If that's all, some days you'll do 10 things, but some days you'll feel like you can't do any. So you just take that one step. You take that one step. Connection is a huge thing for me. You guys know that. But Angela Nazarian is a queen, the queen of connection. And she found that is through happiness. If you even study anything on happiness, it talks about how happiness is the act of doing something that's beyond yourself, that opens you up to other people. There is a book by the Dalai Lama where he's having a a conversation with a psychologist. And that was the primary thing that I got out of out of that book. It's that compassion, connectivity, and thinking of actually when you are going through the roughest times, it's most helpful if we are thinking beyond ourselves. And this last week we had Norina Hertz on Visionary Women. Yes. And it was, she was talking about the pandemic of loneliness. Mm. And she was also saying how Actually, if you even look at the lyrics in the 1980s, it was we, us. And if you look at the lyrics now, it's about me, mine, I, how we've become so focused on ourselves that it really creates this kind of barrier towards connecting towards other people. Caroline Badino, an Instagram Insta star, gave us a lot of great advice about being together and connecting. I don't know where we became the society that women don't help each other, we don't support each other, that we tear each other down, we're constantly criticizing each other, judging each other. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. Where I'm like, nobody rises like this. No, but the, the rate of anxiety and depression in women over 40 is insane. That is what's going on right now. We have to make a change because we are capable, we are strong, we are smart. And when you realize that you're, when you do things that make you happy and you surround yourself with people who are actually nice to you and call you back and do the right thing and support you and lift you up, it is just so incredible how happy you feel and how good you feel and how that trickles of the trickle effect. It's contagious. You're literally echoing, by the way, I was at um, this visionary women's event and Jane Fonda was the yeah. honoree. Yeah. And the one thing she kept coming back to, and listen, she's like a climate change advocate among a million other things. Yes, she's been yes. An activist her whole life. Um, actress, obviously, all those things. But she's 82 damn years old. She looks like a million dollars. She was dressed, looking gorgeous, 82, got up on that microphone, speaking so eloquently, so touchingly, but real. And one thing she said was, women, we have to have each other's backs because when we even as a society don't have each other's backs, then we will think it's all about individual. Oh, it's all about just me and my little family. And in what in reality, if we want to work on things like climate change or we want to change, you know, culture around how women are or how, how they're paid, equal pay, that starts with having the other person's back and saying, I care about you. I don't just care about me. 
Exactly. I care about you. So if I see you and you're looking great, I'm going to say, you look great today. You look great. Because does that take anything away from you, Liz? Like, do you feel like that takes anything away from you by complimenting a woman, supporting a woman, helping her with her career? I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of DMs I get. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? How can I get this? I'm it's like free information. The more people you can help and lift up, it's like, it's incredible what it does for you. Natasha Hemingway, what a rock star. She believes in selling with your heart and not the hustle. I'll never forget when she mentioned the moment that she realized she had picked an accountability partner that was perfect for her. And I'll never forget by being connected to one of my former gymnast friends who happened to live here in the same city as me, we had reconnected through health, through me health coaching. And we started meeting like once a month at Starbucks after we put our kids to bed. So this is called an accountability partner. Come on. Yes. Everybody needs one. By the way, talk to mine this morning. Anita, shout out. Hello. Yeah. It's the people that know you, that are wise, that you can trust, that will tell you the truth. And they're not going to call you out, but they're going to call you up. Call you up. They're not going to call you out. I'm writing that down. I love that. Yes. 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 It's, I call it seeking wise counsel because everybody's not wise counsel, Liz. But sometimes, you know, we're so quick as women. Sometimes it just, bleh. And then we get upset and frustrated when that person's not able to reciprocate and help us when we need it. Well, it's the wrong person. You're talking to the wrong people. No. And you know what? I I say this all the time. I I believe in having a board, a board of directors. These people- these people should be the same people that you would give a director over whether you pulled the plug on your life or not. Wow. So if you think you're not going to let anybody in the room who doesn't right. love and care for you, want the best for you, see the future for you, know yes. your life. I, I don't let anybody on that board that I wouldn't let in that room making a medical decision if for some reason my husband or my kids were not able to. Like, that's the level I take that on. I don't take advice from just a person who's nice or seems okay or is in my field. I don't do that. I take it from people who I know have my back and have some knowledge on the subject too. That That doesn't hurt. Yeah, that is so good, Liz. I love that. I'm going to use that and share it. Take it. (laughs) But I call it seeking wise counsel, but I think that brings it even more to the forefront of your mind when you can visualize something like that. So, but yeah, that's what she was for me. Um, But on a faith level, Mm -hmm. on a um, life level, business decision level, mindset, it was all those things. She was there in that season, her and another childhood friend that I grew up with. Um, And so I remember going to her and I was freaking out nine months in. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And she's my prayer partner too. She's my spiritual guidance. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm freaking out. I'm going to have to get it. And she asked me two life-shifting, game-changing questions. She was like, number one, she was like, are you playing God that small? Because the thing that you chose to take a leap on and that he gave you confirmation on didn't work out. Are you playing him that small? Do you not still believe in him? Right. I was like, oh. I love Maninder Grang's take on connection. Well, I feel that, you know, if something has moved me, maybe my words can move other people too. You know, just because my struggle is different from yours doesn't mean my struggle is more important than yours or doesn't mean my struggle is worse than yours, right? It's just bringing together women. I love Hillary Gadsby, the founder of Boss Talks. I loved her take on how she feels success is making other women successful. 
every step that you take leads you to that stairway of opportunity. Where I am right now is where I'm supposed to be. And it's the highlight of my career. It's the highlight of my, my business career, my, my career in general. It's that point where I can say I am literally helping to increase the economic footprint of women globally with what I'm doing. That to me is a big freaking deal. I mean, look, it's fun to be in Forbes. It's fun to have a book that's a bestseller. It's, it's, it's great. And I have a really hard time putting myself out there and I really need to do that more. But like, there's this, this thing that happens with me is that when I can help other people achieve something, that's my biggest win. It always has been that way. You know, I love reinvention and I love a good reinvention story. Well, Stacy Blackman has been reinventing herself over and over and over as a serial entrepreneur. Listen to what she says about looking for the diamond in the ashes. You always say, look for the diamond in the ashes, which I'm now going to be saying to myself all the time. What is your best advice for someone who's in need of either a personal or a professional reinvention? My best advice is to begin before you are ready. So I think that a lot of people get held up because they don't have enough time. They don't have enough money. They don't have the resources, the knowledge, the network, like there's always an excuse. And that goes to whether you want to buy a house or start a new company or write a book, you're never quite ready. So get rid of that excuse and begin before you're ready. And you don't have to have the whole thing figured out up front. Take one step and then another, and soon you're on your way. Simona Grace is an amazing American success story, but it almost didn't happen. Listen to what she said. Just because you know nothing about it, there's so many ways to get involved. Your knowledge, your pocket, you know, how much money you have in your pockets doesn't matter as much as your determination for change. If you have that determination for change, if you want to make something happen, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it is. That's who you want to represent you. You want somebody who has your best interest in heart as, as a person living in America. You, you just need that determination first. So, and really the story is like, I can't even make this up, but I was sitting in my bed at night at home, you know, and I went on the, the internet and I registered my domain and I paid $20 for it. Right. And then I went on the IRS's website and I, um, I applied for a tax ID. And then after that, I registered my PAC with the Federal Elections Commission. And I was done. So that's how easy it is to start one. Not as mysterious as we think. Not as mysterious as you think. And and I just said, I'm going to go from here. And of course, like the moment I've done this, I woke up the next day and I said, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? Why am I thinking that I can do this? I think the number one thing that we do, I think as women, especially when we start something new, when we're ready to turn that dream into a goal, when we're ready to treat, you know, turn an idea into an actual goal, the number one thing that we do is we question ourselves, especially if nobody has done it before you, or if you're, if nobody has done it in a way that you're planning to do it. And I always tell women that, you know what the scariest thing about this was, this whole process, what the scariest thing about 
about starting an organization or a business was, is how close I have come not doing it. That was the scariest part. Kathy Sharp Ross is the queen of reinvention. I love her take on why it's not a midlife crisis. It's a reinvention. So many of us complain for years and years and years that we don't have the time to do something, that our work is in the way, our responsibilities are in the way. And when we get to this point in our lives where we're getting a little antsy, we feel this gnawing feeling, we start looking for distractions, some which can be really destructive to us, let alone those around us that we love. You know, we all know the classical story of, you know, the guy who cheated and bought the red Porsche and had the young girlfriend and blew up the family. You know, if he just picked up the guitar because he had a passion when he was 15 for being a guitar player and never pursued it and maybe put a garage band together with four of his buddies down the hall from work or, you know, from down the street, that soul nurturing might have satisfied that that sort of restlessness that one feels. And I think people get to this point in their lives. And this is why this book is speaking to so many people because they don't know what this feeling is and they don't know what to do with it. And they exhibit typically destructive behavior because they're not channeling it. And I will say that women tend to talk to each other. We talk, we we turn things over, we figure it out, we share, we're emotional. You know, we get together on walks or over a glass of wine or whatever we do, and we share what we're going through. Men typically don't do that. So they don't get a chance to kind of really dig into, I'm feeling restless, I'm frustrated, I'm bored at home, I'm bored with my job. They just know that something's not right and they're looking for something to just like blow that out of the water for them, but they're not doing it in a manner that is productive or potentially gives them a chance to nurture some part of themselves. And I, you know, I don't mean to segment men and women. There are, you know, people in both camps that behave the same way, but historically that's what's happened. And I think this conversation about nurturing your soul, when you get to a midlife crisis point in your life, it could be learning Italian. It could be doing some charity work. It could be building old friendships again. It could be, like I said, picking up a guitar or whatever it is. And I've got some great stories that illustrate that throughout the book that tell stories of people who just discovered a long lost passion or a new passion that they'd never thought that they would even like be intrigued by. And all of a sudden that restlessness goes away because They're actually doing something that is self-care, that is mindfulness for themselves, and it's putting them in a better place. They're also reaching out and connecting and communicating with people in a different way when they do that. And so I think for all of us to look at a midlife crisis moment or that annoying feeling that happens when, you know, and it could happen at any stage in our lives. I think this happens multiple times throughout our lives is not to go down a destructive path, but rather go, what are all the parts of myself? spiritual, hobbies, work, relationships, career, every part of ourselves that we could nurture and tweak in some way can actually impact all the rest of us. Well, you guys, you know we get real on this podcast. And Joanne Lord revealed on this podcast for the first time that she had been diagnosed with cancer and how that battle affected her life. At the time, I felt like I was on top of the world. Everything was in place professionally, personally, and then all of a sudden to get this news 
I felt like my life just completely fell apart in one second. It was the first time in my life where I felt like I was absolutely out of control. I, I didn't know what to do. Obviously, I was worried about myself, but I couldn't help think about our kids. They were so young at the time. And, you know, my husband was traveling a lot for business. I was traveling like everything just stopped in a second. Yeah. I would say for two weeks, I was probably incredibly shocked and just, I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't see anyone. I, I couldn't deal. I didn't know what to do. And then was the wave of depression. It was so emotional. It was such a crazy time. And I let myself feel these feelings, which I really needed to, which uh, was really great. I mean, fortunately, I had the best friends, you, our tribe, our group, my family. I mean, once I feel like once you had a plan going, even though it was still scary as hell, once you had a plan going, then it was yes. like, okay, I've got my plan. You know, I have my plan. It was aggressive, but once I had everything in place, I could take a deep breath and I knew I had to be stronger than I had been ever before. Tony Purry discovered everyone needs a hype man or a hype book. Listen to this. I had no clue what I wanted to do next. It's one thing to say, I'm not doing this anymore because I'm going to do this. It's oh, another no, thing to say, going off into the unknown is like going to hell, of course. Exactly. Yes. I have no clue what I want to do. So I felt like, you know, a real loser. And then I also realized having an agency was a mantle for me. It was, I was very proud about that. I don't have any kids. So the company was my baby. I called it my baby. And now I didn't want the baby anymore, you know? So I'm walking through the living room. My husband is watching a documentary about Muhammad Ali and I'm captivated by his confidence. I am trying to understand how did this man maintain his confidence in the face of defeat? How did he maintain it when the country despised him because he didn't support the Vietnam War? How did he maintain it even when he was stricken with Parkinson's disease? Every image that you can think of, if you close your eyes and think about him, is a man of confidence. And a couple of clips later, I see Boondini Brown, his hype man, his corner man, right before he's going into the a fight in his face, ardently yelling, reminding him of his wins, his knockouts, that he is the greatest. He's the champ. And my thought is, man, if we all had a hype man, <laughs> we'd have that kind of confidence as well. And Liz, in that moment, I thought I need to make myself a hype book. And I keep journals. I buy journals all the time and keep them stored. I grabbed a journal off my, my um, shelf, sat in the middle of my living room floor, cut out pictures and wrote in great detail for two, two days about my wins and my, my gifts, my talents, all of those things that made me personally proud, not what society says is great, but what made me feel really good. Everything from big accounts that we had won to pro bono work, because my agency for the whole 10 years, we take on one nonprofit and represent them at no cost for an entire year and running the LA marathon. I mean, just those things that made me proud. And within two days of doing that, there was this ascension of confidence that rose up in me because I was now looking at myself through my success lens. Thinking about raising the next generation of warrior women, I loved when Angela Nazarian said, we need to bring men along. I consider myself a feminist. And I think the next step in the feminist movement is that how do we bring men into the conversation? So men come into the conversation because we work with them. We live with them. We love them. There are brothers, fathers, and husbands, and boyfriends, and partners. So 
you know, we need to see how do men and women relate to one another. That's where we need to start looking at. And I know so many male feminists. There's so many male feminists. Yeah. And that's who we want to raise as moms too. Dana Kaplan, educational coach for kids that are out of the box, realized she had to leave the classroom in order to fulfill her dream. I had to leave the classroom in order to make the massive impact in the world that I want to and that I know can happen. And it's around emotional intelligence. It's around creating spaces for kids to learn how they learn instead of being expected to learn in a certain way. It's creating a space for parents to get curious about their kids instead of immediately holding their conscious or unconscious biases. It's creating an opportunity for us to bridge humanity instead of dismantle even more so. I loved talking to Kathy Shue. She really understood what it's like to raise children without fear. Growing up, just to give you an idea of how I had had things, it was always about be careful because of this. My, I would go visit my grandmother and she would say, did you hear about that girl that was abducted? Did you hear? I mean, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. and the new stranger danger was everywhere. It was be careful, be careful. Don't do this. What if this happens? There's an expression in Italian called la bella figura. And it is basically your image. It's keeping up good appearances, right? And so you, that is huge. You don't want, you don't want to air your dirty laundry with anybody. You don't, what will people think is the underlining thing of every decision. So it's not just fear. It's the looking good. Like it's don't, looking good. don't ruin the perfect picture. No, it's got, everything's got to look perfect for the outside world and don't get hurt. Don't let something bad happen. So you walk around kind of always worrying about the other shoe is going to drop. Life is great. I'm whistling around down the road and suddenly, you know, an anvil is going to fall out of the sky and knock me down, you know? And so with my girls, I, I always, God bless my husband, but I used him because he had a totally different upbringing than I did. I use him as a touchstone because I, you know, I tend to default into fear, right? And so I don't want to do that with them. I also don't want to go to the negative where, you know, if my daughter is like, mom, you know, I got, I, I got nine out of 10 on my math quiz and this and that. I don't want to be like, well, which one did you miss? <laughs> Why didn't you get it? Why didn't you get that? <laughs> Which I have to say, I got to fight that. I hate it, but I got to fight that. So she doesn't hear it, but in my head, I hear it. So my thing is, I do not want to raise girls that live in fear. I want them to make decisions based on this strength and this power and come out of positivity instead of fear-based decisions or what will people think? Because that's also fear. What will people think? It's that idea that I got to make my decisions for the community and not for myself. Yeah. That's BS because by the just a side note, nobody really cares that much about you. Everybody's right. worried about themselves. I want them to go in the world and be like, is this good for me? You know, yeah, you can have nerves and this and that, but you gotta be, you, they gotta make those decisions in life that are, are, is this good for me? Is this what I want to do? Vera Wagman stunned me on the podcast with this beautiful documentary that she had produced. I could not wait to talk to her about it. Thought, you know, why don't we just have a conversation? So we got into a what essentially was a little round circle. It was a circle of the three of us. Cameras were all around us. And, and 
there were questions that I knew that I wanted to ask. And some of them were really hard questions for everybody, including myself. There were, there was, it was a very emotional experience, but it really kind of blew open the door into this family history of what happened. It started with my mom, this concept of intergenerational trauma, which is very common in children yes. of Holocaust survivors. Yes became a part of the story. And so it took us four years to film and it took many renditions of, you know, an edit to create a film that was so truthful and that we were all ready to be truthful about. My sister, especially myself, absolutely. And one of the great things about how people have responded to my mom is that they're cool with how she just is. This is yeah. what happened. Yeah. I know I made a mistake yeah. and I'm human, you know? Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Because, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. First of all, I, what I think everybody really will relate to is I cannot tell you the number of girlfriends that I have that really have some problems with their mother. Mm. There's some trauma there. There's some intergener intergenerational trauma. There is, maybe not uh, from the Holocaust, but from other things that have happened or ways that things have been handled. And it's really affected their relationship. So I think that's what really got me so emotional about your film as well, is that, you know, a lot of mothers and daughters never get to the place where they ask the questions and say the things because they just feel like they never can. And then you never get anywhere. And then the person passes away and the, that's it. That's so right. I think it's so wonderful that even though it was hard conversations and it is a tough subject matter and, but that you got some answers like good or bad, yes or no, good or not good. Who cares? Just, but they're answers so that you can feel like you have that closure. Kat Curry Williams, one of a kind. And her advice was to slow down. Slow down and take a minute to breathe. You know, look around at the beauty. Not, not, you know, look at yourself, see the beauty in yourself. And I would tell her to don't be in such a hurry to grow up because I, so I wanted to be 21, you know, since I'm nine, I was the youngest and I knew, I knew 18 was freedom. That's why I moved so quickly. Cause when I was growing up, 18 was freedom. I would tell myself to slow down and look at things from, as uh, Joni Mitchell will say, from all sides now, you know, and because I reacted, I gave a lot of good things because it propelled me. I saw it. I wanted it. I did it. I moved forward. But I would have also told myself, don't try to grow up so fast. The beauty in the youth of learning, learning something new every day and taking it in and digesting it. But I do know that my 22-year-old daughter, I would like to bestow that wisdom on her, and I do, but I understand at that age, even though someone can say to you, slow down and smell those roses and, you know, breathe, unless you get it mm -hmm. personally at that age. It's hard. It's hard. Every, no one else knows. Yeah. Who knows? You know, so I knew because my example sits in my face every day at my 22 year old daughter, not every day because she lives in Baltimore, but I know mom, I, it's not, you know, 
And I'm sure I did the same thing. So, yeah. so I remember that now. And I talk to my 18 year old, 21 year old self and, and, and now still, because I'm still there. And um, so thank you for asking that question because it, it helps remind me to continue to ask my, tell myself that. Yes. And you know? connect with that part of us, right. Yeah. That wants to, well, the old, the oldest part of us, our little, our little hers, our little she's and also to slow down. And I, I have, I have adopted a new mantra, which, and feel free to borrow it with me. It right. is when you slow down, you speed up all you desire. Meg Zucker has a great take on why we all are on a journey. I like to speak in visuals. Um, one of mine is it, I refer to it as a dignity ladder. Um, and I think we all have our own personal dignity ladder. Um, I certainly, as I described my life hiding my hands, um, that's when I certainly was at the bottom of, you know, bottom rung of my ladder. And uh, one of the things that I've come to learn, um, and I'll tell a little story about this, is, you know, you don't have control over the way people think about you. And my story is the following. When I was just graduating law school in New York, I was walking down the street in Greenwich Village and uh, these two guys around my age, not much older, um, walked by me and one said, oh my gosh, did you see her? She looks like a monster. And the one next to him said, really? I just thought she was pretty. And then I was like, that's oh so pretty. But, but, but my point was, is that, but what a difference, my God. Yes. And it was, it was a enlightening moment. Um, and this realization that, wow, there are so many people out in this world and I have no control and they're going to come at me time and time again. And I can't change how the world is perceiving me. And the only, only uh, power I have is to, um, you know, discover and identify my own self-love and begin not to worry about what people think about me. And once I let go of that judgment, then I saw that I started climbing my dignity ladder. I started, you know, reaching the top. And when you get to the top, you know, you're at the top because you start to realize you're like, wow, I just, Really, and this this is not just about you. This is about your children too. Really hard. I will tell you, as a person who gave birth to my difference, it's much harder having people stare at my own kids and even my own person. <laughs> so it's hard. I know it is. Letting go of that and and teaching your children that the concept of the dignity ladder and and realizing the power and strength um, of that is is I think what I would guide people towards. And it's really that sort of letting go mentality of that. I've had so many warrior women on this podcast. I loved what Kathy Shu said about confidence. If I can make you feel confident when you come see me, then that's great. Cause then it's like, you can read it off of me and you can walk out feeling really great. But yeah, I work on it all the time. And that's the thing. That's how I've overcome it is just trying to be like, yeah, I need to focus on the good, switch over, you know, cause I always want to go down that dark rabbit hole and it, I got to turn it around. It's not, it's no good. And no. like back to my girls, it's like, what am I teaching them? What am, what example am I showing them? You right. know, they can see a little bit of the dark cause I got to see it exists, but not a lot. Yeah. You want to show them that you feel good in your skin, that you love yourself, that you respect yourself, all the things so that they will 
do the same. Yeah. I mean, I one thing I love that Coco really knows is she really knows that I love women, that I'm yeah. on this podcast talking to women, that I love to spend time with women. I want to get to know women. And I love that yes. she's getting a front row seat to that because I want her to understand that having relationships with women who just cheer you on is the most wonderful thing in the world. And that's how she should be to other women and how women should be to her. And when they're, you know, if that you don't bark up the wrong tree, you know, go to the women that are right. cheering you on, go to the women that love you and respect you and treat you great. It's true. You want them to have a front row seat to the good things, you know, not that yeah. there's not bad things. There's always bad things, but again, yeah. front row seat to the good things. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, we grew up in a different world, right? We grew up in a world where there was one spot at the top. And so it was a lot of clawing to the top and kicking people off of the ladder. And we know that's not the case anymore. Yeah. You know, it's that uh, there's so much room at the top for all of us so that I'm really excited for them to be able to live in a world where they can have supportive women in their life, that they can have that from the get-go. Yes. And you know what? You're making me think... You know, when we were, we were growing up, it's Dallas, you know, Dynasty, yes. uh, Melrose Place. There was always oh, yeah. women killing other women yeah. to get the man, get the money, get the job. And I feel yeah. like that was just the messaging we got, right? Like that it's woman against woman. Like, oh, uh-oh, here comes this one coming in. You better, uh-huh. rather than saying, here comes this one coming in. I can't yeah. wait to get to know that one. Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action, and she had a really succinct reason why she was a warrior woman. I am a warrior woman because I refuse to be silenced or intimidated by extremists, even if they're armed. Gabby Abrams was such a fun guest. I love having her on. She is a hypnotist. She does RTT, and she's a success coach. And she talks about what it means to her to be a warrior woman. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? Oh, to me, it means taking part in the collective remembrance that is going on right now, going back to that rewilding of the feminine, embracing that imperfection, getting messy. Cheryl Thompson had a great story working at Ford Motor for years and years, and now diversity, equity, inclusion with Kadia. Listen to why she's a warrior woman. I am a warrior woman because I am a lifelong learner. So I am constantly, continuously learning. I mean, the My Magic certification program we went through is just one example, but I just truly believe that growth is never done and there's always something more to learn. And I, and that's why I listen to your podcast, right? I just, I love learning. I love being inspired and motivated by all that we have available to us right now through TED Talks and videos and podcasts and courses and boy, so much opportunity. So lifelong learner would be my warrior woman. Suzanne Summers, of course, is a warrior woman. She was a stunning guest and I loved her heart. Listen to what she said about what she's most proud of. What are you most proud of? I'm proud that I made it through the rain, as the song says, that I came from a very dark childhood and I found the light and it's so bright I can't even turn it off. Well, that is it. 100 episodes down and on to 101. Thank you so much, Warriors, for staying with me, for listening, for being with me. 
Thank you to my amazing editor, Jason. Thank you to my husband, who is like my little producer behind the wall, who's always listening to these episodes. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for loving the stories of women. <laughs>